Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left podcast. This is episode number 70. We have a very special guest with us today. Wow, you, you introduced the guest before you introduced the topic or the... You are terrible at this. You, you should, you've, you've hosted 70 episodes of this. You haven't done it right yet? No, no, no. No, I've, I've hosted uh, actually zero episodes, and uh, you're, you're the host. So get to work. I'm the one who does the editing. I'm going to go with, I was a very special guest. I'm going to rock out in my like queendom over here being a very special guest. So welcome back, everyone, to episode 70. Uh, I am your uh, host, Chris. With me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Jumbo Johnson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And the good and bad Reverend Dr. K. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we do have a guest with us today. Um, the North Carolina peeps are going to like this one. We have a friend of the show from Asheville, actually, um, Jen Reddy. She's actually going to be here to talk to us today because we are going to talk all about Lady Bits and the legalese that goes along with Lady Bits. And um, we don't have a lot of Lady Bits. Um, wait, wait, wait. A- we're, we're letting a woman speak? That, that's allowed in this country now? <laughs> just, 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 this is an exception. Oh, okay, cool. We are, the Supreme Court hasn't decided yet. Uh, there's only inklings of it. So soon, soon she will dock her, her, uh, neck to ankles garb and uh, make sure not to entice any boys with her shoulders and not have a voice because you know if you let them get abortions next they're just going to want the vote ah that's not making america great again is it they're gonna yeah they're gonna want to own property and like do things like have jobs where they get paid the same as a man oh well no no that 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 will never happen no, not for a long time. But anyway, um, no, uh, Jen is uniquely qualified. She's here with us. Uh, we are going to be talking about, obviously, the absolute nincompoopery evil bullshit of the Supreme Court and uh, our beloved Joe Biden. And so we thought it'd be good to have someone who uh, has lady bits, has children, uh, is a professional baby catcher, um, and uh, might shed some light on this and give us perspective that three cisgendered white men might not have. What's up, Jen? Exactly. Hey, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. All joking aside, we're happy to have you on. Thank you for doing this. I am super stoked to get to hang with you all. So, um, what you think? (laughs) (laughs) How how you doing? (laughs) Um, okay. So for a little bit of background, I work as a life coach. I have worked as a birth and postpartum doula. Um, I have trained as a midwife and I've worked in sexual health since high school, which was many decades ago now. So I'm, I'm very familiar with lady bits, both mine and other people's and how they work. I'm also fairly familiar with dude bits and how they work. More importantly, I'm really familiar with how much there's this very real problem in this country where we respect the autonomy of other humans and you know whether that is brown humans or lady humans or brown lady humans uh, or pretty much humans who are doing things that we just don't like on random tuesdays that's something that i spend a lot of time talking about so i personally am 
I mean, I think appropriately horrified, um, but I'm doing okay. I will say <clears throat> I have noticed that a lot of my clientele is really struggling. I think this has sent shock waves in a way that I think it's the thing that great, like every, every time one of these announcements comes, it, it's sort of another blow of like, really? That's how, like, that was supposed to not, like, that was not supposed to happen. That was the thing that like, okay, that the one before that was like, as far as we all thought it was going to go. And then there's the next one and then the next one. And then the next one, I feel like this is just the latest in a string of dominoes. But I, yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, this is what a body autonomy is what it comes down to. And I think that's actually been one of the biggest issues with stuff like this, especially when it comes to women's reproductive rights, is we keep trying to turn the conversation around. Um, you know, like, for instance, R.V. Wade only exists because of this, you know, right to privacy, you know, thought process we have. It's like, well, the, the federal government doesn't have a place in the bedroom or in the reproductive decisions of couples. And so therefore abortion cannot be made illegal. And it's like, but that was, that was the wrong way to do that because it shouldn't, abortion shouldn't be legal because we have to have privacy. Abortion should be legal because women should get to decide when and how they fucking carry life. Like it, it or if they do at all and women should decide it, it, it kind of it's like sex it this is this is something that requires permission it it should be enthusiastic and it should be able to be revocable at any time and if we don't respect basic basic body autonomy how can we respect any right and again i only see this argument when it comes to women's reproductive rights like you never see like a right to privacy argument or, or a weird argument about men being able to play basketball. Like, it's never about that. But it's like when it comes to women's birth control, it's like, well, but I need Planned Parenthood for cervix screenings. And it's like, that's awesome. Planned Parenthood does a million awesome things. Planned Parenthood's fucking great. I have had no health insurance for a majority of my adult life. And every time I switched partners, I would get STD tested at Planned Parenthood. Because they will handle you without insurance. And I'm a dude. Um, if you have other parts, Planned Parenthood can do all kinds of amazing things that have nothing to do with abortions. And that's awesome. They're great. I love them. But they also do abortions. And they are there for women who – they are there for people with uteruses who don't want to procreate. And they're fucking allowed that. And to take that right and say, well, it really boils down to I, ha I need birth control because of my acne. And it's like – and that's fine. If, if 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 orthotricycline is helping your skin, that's fucking great. But you also have a right to raw dog your boyfriend and not get fucking knocked up and to take that away and to reduce it to this parallel issue so we don't have to talk about wieners is the stupidest thing I've ever fucking seen. And I think it really takes away from the crux of the issue, which is that women are people. And I think that's the part we don't like talking about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a definite thing here, right, with women being people. But I just want to point in there that this is being hailed as a women's issue because we view in this country child rearing to be women's work. However, I mean, I'm going to assume that all of your girlfriends, wives, lovers, whatever, throughout the years that have raw dogged you, they often didn't make the choice to not bring a child into the world in that moment all by themselves. I mean, yeah, so there's all the extreme, I don't want to say extreme, but the, the, the examples that often get held up in the rape and, and 
incest and, and abuse, you know, argument about why, you know, abortion should be legal. But a lot of what's not talked about is, yes, there is definitely the single mom working three jobs who cannot afford another kid. And that is super real. But there's also just a lot of couples who can't afford another kid or aren't ready to have kids. There's a lot of men who don't want a quarter of their income going to child support. I mean, these are really real things that also affect dude parts um, that I think often gets left out of the conversation and I think is really, really relevant in this case. That's funny because I actually disagree. Like, I think dude issues have no place in it, not because like a couple making a decision shouldn't involve both parties, but we don't have a problem with men not having that right. Like, because that's the thing is it's like if I'm with someone and they become pregnant, I'm allowed to walk away. Like, sure, I may get court ordered to send a check, but I can literally just say peace and walk the fuck away, have zero liability, and just peace out to Borneo anytime I want. Whereas the mother of the child is most often left, and unfortunately our court system sees the mother as always the more liable parent. You don't have that option. The person who is carrying the child to term is stuck with that decision, ultimately. Oh, as the keeper of the uterus in this conversation, I want to say like, yes, I totally 100% agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that this affects men, I think, nationwide far more than is let into the conversation. I think, yes, at the end of the day, the person who has the parts legally needs to get the final say. But I also think there's a lot of room for acknowledging that this law affects millions of men as well. And I, and I think that that gets left out. And I think it, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think it skews the argument, right? Like, I think we have a lot of men who think that this isn't going to affect them. And so they don't need to worry about it other than, you know, tell their girlfriends to settle down or whatever. And I think what they're missing out on is, is no, 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 no. Women being able to get access to reproductive care, women being able to access abortion, women not having to have babies that they are not able to afford, yes, affects women more, but also significantly is going to affect men in a multitude of ways. And I think engaging them in that conversation is also really relevant when we're talking about whether or not this needs to be legal. Yeah, I think you have a good point there. Uh, I think the problem is too, as a society, like as left as the three of us even are, I think just from a social standpoint, men are never really brought up, even ones that are told to wear a condom, the idea of taking responsibility for your own, I guess, sexual health or sexual responsibility. Like there's, we're not driven home with that message ever, really. Uh, even when we're told to wear a condom, it's like, don't wear a condom because you might have a kid. Okay, fine. Well, if you still wear a condom and the, the woman still gets pregnant, I've heard a lot of guys are like, well, at that point it's her decision. So I think even, even the most leftist from a societal standpoint, we're, we're just, it's not ingrained in us to consider it. Like even like when, when you're against women's right to choose, you're just against it, period. When you're for a woman's right to choose, it's kind of just like, well, it's her right to choose. I have no part of this. So, you know, I, I, I think you have an interesting point, like, but I don't know how you have, that's a, it seems like that's a very hard road to walk because it's like, we need to involve men in the conversation, but at the same time, men being involved in the conversation is part of the problem. There's too many men dictating what women can and can't do with their bodies at this point. 
I think men dictating what women can and cannot do with their bodies is a problem. I think men being involved in the conversation is not a problem. I think those are two different things. I mean, I, I think, you know, we've all seen the pictures, right, of all the, the guys at the table smiling and clapping themselves on the back for passing another law that restricts access to, you know, some form of women's health care. Um, and, you know, there's no women to be seen in those pictures. And it's, it's you know, I think it's um, you know clear that there's a, a very real problem there. Um, but I think that is different than acknowledging that, yes, obviously, again, if I am dating someone and I get pregnant at the end of the day, that is my problem more than the other person's problem. But let's also look at, no, I mean, fatherhood has really shifted over the last couple of decades in a lot of cases. There are a lot more True. dads really involved with their offspring in ways that, you know, was totally foreign 50 years ago. And yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Your girlfriend being able to make that choice. Well, now it's okay. If the condom broke, you have a kid. It's not even a conversation. Um, And I think that does affect you guys more than, than I think is again, often really acknowledged. And I think it's important mostly because on a really straight up level, I mean, we need numbers. Like, Men have to fight men on this one a little bit, you know, not that women can't go defend themselves or whatever, but like, no, it's rooms of white men. We need white men to also realize that this affects them too. I don't know. I, I, again, I don't want to mansplain the issue, but I, I find myself at odds with all of you guys. Cause I, I think it's the opposite. Um, I think in a kumbaya, beautiful situation. Sure. I would love men and women to sit around and discuss these issues as a community. But that's not where we're at. Um, and I think we I think having men involved in any way other than listening is is I'm fine with men being in the conversation as long as they have zero power and authority. You know, because if we're in a family, right, let's say, you know, there's a whole family and grandma gets cancer, right? Grandma's got, you know, lymphoma and she's going to die and it's going to be super painful and awful. and It's going to be a terrible process. And she says, okay, I'm going to fight the good fight for as long as I can. But once life starts to suck, I'm, I'm, I'm a go. I'm going to take off. I'm out of here. Now, does that decision affect the entire family? Absolutely. She has a spouse. She has kids. She has all that. And would it be great if she involved them in the conversation? 100%. At the end of the day, though, it's her decision above all else. And... I am not comfortable with her involving anyone in there who's allowed to override her. And the problem is, is we have people who are allowed to override. And as soon as it becomes too powerful, men don't have the chance to take this away. Then I'm fine with it. I kind of agree with you, Chris. I think that the crux of the argument here is that middle-aged white men feel like that it is their duty to tell women what they can and can't do with their bodies. Because men in a relationship, while they should have some input into whether an abortion or uh, or not, or healthcare or whatever for their significant other, should be considered, like you said, ultimately, the one with the uterus is the one who has to carry this child. And they're the one that is going to have to go through the birthing process. They are the one that is going to have to do all the, all of those things. And so ultimately, they are the ones who get to make the end decision. And I get what you mean by saying, like, once we have that complete autonomy, 
then we can start adding in the other people or the male into that conversation in terms of what's right for that particular couple. At least that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that not correct? Um, kind of. Um, I, I think, yes, that, that is definitely part of what I'm saying. There, there's, okay. and I, I, there's another, I think there's a deeper part to this that I haven't talked about yet. That we're literally, and, and again, this is not hyperbolic. We are literally approaching a form of gender fascism here. And what I mean by that is we have an ultra right wing motivated culture trying to revert time and revert to a, a, a gender binary that no longer exists, right? They want to bring back man goes to work, woman stays home, you know, you know, woman has babies, woman does not vote. Like they, they want that hierarchy back. And again, it's not, this isn't even just men, it's mostly men, but there's, you'll find women Uncle Toms who are saying the same thing. Like, oh, if white Jesus was here, he would hate the destruction of the modern family. It's like that 1950s nuclear family, right? Yeah, and that's and that's what they're trying to revert back to. And of course, but this is the way that ultra right wing and, and fascist movements work is it is always this return to a glorious time, whether or not that glorious time exists, you know, but again, we think of fascists and we, we, we try to, you know, we tend to think of Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany, but this has existed plenty of other places. And there are fascists in Spain that did this at the same time. We've had fascist governments throughout South America, ones that we, you know, supported. We have fascist movements here in the United States. The MAGA movement is a fascist movement. There is no difference between the red hat and a brown shirt in 1939 Berlin. It's the same fucking thing. It is the uniform of an ultra right wing street thug who is here to advocate for genocide and harm. We just haven't hit the part where they, they took over, but we almost got there. So anyway, the point is that this has been a concentrated and deliberate movement for decades. You know, the Heritage Foundation is this is this gender fascist movement. Um, to bring back women into the home, you know, it is to uh, abortion is not just because we care about the baby's lives, because this is, I think we all four agree. This has literally nothing to do with children, which is why these people don't care about the no. kids once they're born. You no. know, the people who will advocate for pro-life will be the first ones to fucking cut wick. Well, it's a bullshit argument. I don't think they actually care about the unborn. I think there are some people, there are some simpletons at the very bottom base level who are religious extremists who actually have bought into this, but they've just simply bought into the company line. What we're yeah. looking at is a movement to disempower women because women who are forced to carry pregnancies to term they didn't want are women who have to give up their careers. These are women who lose their financial independence. Okay, These are women who tend to get stuck with abusive men or just partnerships they didn't want. Again, maybe he's fucking terrific, but he's not the one you wanted to be with for 20 years. But now if you're buying into this conservative family and you're in this area and in this culture – that's what they want to revert back to. It's, well, if you didn't want that, then you shouldn't have had the consequences and should have kept your legs closed. I'm sorry. That's a bullshit argument, too. The the idea that sometimes pregnancy is just the consequences. Of, no, people like to fuck. That's why there's billions of us on the planet. That's just going to happen. That's why abstinence-only education doesn't work. It's because people are going to hump, and it's like, if you can just simply take that as a reality, you can come up with solutions. But everything else is wishful thinking that's bullshit. And this movement to take women back to that spot has been around for decades. Again, that's what the Heritage Foundation is. And they have handpicked the last three Supreme Court nominations that got up there. 
right? Between Gorsuch, who never should have existed, and, you know, fucking six-pack rapist, and, you know, uh, fucking Barbie's J.K. Rowling, who just got on there last year. Like, these are three people who specifically were handpicked by the anti-abortion lobby for this reason. This has been deliberate. This is not an accident. You know, of course, we always knew that people like Clarence Thomas and shitheads like that were going to do this. But this is, again, this is not something that happened yesterday. This has been a plan. It has been methodical. And the point is to strip women of their rights and to try to revert back to a glory day that doesn't exist because now you need seven incomes to keep a house. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. But again, conservatism and fascism never make sense. It is always a return to glory and a vilifying of the other. That's what they have in common. But I think that's the bigger picture is that we can talk all day about, well, men don't like women or this is an old people thing. I think those are all valid and those are all real. But we have to look into, no, this has been a movement that has gone on since R.V. Wade to return women to be barefoot in the kitchen and remove the power and, 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 and reaffirm a legal patriarchy. And if we don't address that elephant in the room, literally and symbolically, it it doesn't get solved because if we don't call it what it is, then we can't address it. If we don't call abortion the right to body autonomy, then we can take it away. Like, well, it's not really privacy. Like you words matter and calling these terms out for what they are and what the actual goal of these movements are to me at least i think is is the most important factor so anyway that was really long-winded but that's that's i guess my my point k and that's that's what i feel the issue is to me it often feels like class warfare like yes it is a war on women and yes that is very real and very true and yes there is definitely this slant of the universe that i think has figured out that painting this brochure picture of the norman rockwell days and the women um staying at home and tending to the the husband and the babies i think you know there i think it pulls on some nostalgic heartstrings of you know the boomer middle class generation um, you know, i don't know if it pulls on anyone else's heartstrings but i think there is a a segment of the population that that views those moments with nostalgia on a deeper level though i mean what we know is it's class warfare you know and i think there is i think some of it is hatred i think there's you know unfortunately if women have power then they are not forced to marry, then they are not forced to sleep with you, then they're not forced to bear your children, they're not forced to be subservient. And I think there is a- Well, then what's the point of them? Right? And I, that's what I was saying. <laughs> like, there's a lot of really angry men out there who I think were sold this idea that all they had to do was reach age and they were somehow going to be handed a house and a wife and some kids and it was all going to work out great. And they really are super angry that that's not how that's going. But I still think even they're the minority. I think the vast majority of what we're looking at really is this idea of upward mobility, of opportunity, and a lot of it does come down to race. I mean, yes, obviously white women are affected by this in, you know, I mean, all of them. But if we look at income brackets, if we look at job opportunities, if we look at marriage structures, if we look at all of the things, every woman of color is affected even more. And it is a great way to actually secure white America's place in this country is to outlaw abortion. And I think it's that man that Marxism is- and intersectionality. This is this this conversation is getting fire. 
<laughs> no, like you're you're breaching some broad topics. I don't disagree. I'm surprised that usually only comes from the crazies like me. <laughs> yeah, well, we live in interesting times. Even even the hippies like me, you know, are paying attention. White conservatives, especially, but it, it, it's you can't just even put it at white conservatives. White liberals too. Like there's this idea that has been permeating throughout their ranks for years now that they are under attack. Uh, it's been perpetuated mostly by conservatives, but liberals have bought into it too. It's this idea of of white culture and white heritage and everything that that is it is to be white is now under attack, and it's not under attack. They're slightly worse. They're not even slightly worse off. They're at the same level of success and power they've always been at, but other races are now getting there too, and they're seeing that. And because other people are being equal to them, they're flipping the fuck out. The people they are electing into power, I think, are aware that that the fact of the matter is, is like in the U.S. alone, white people are going to be a minority soon. They just are. How do they stop that? Well, if, you know, they stop white women from getting abortions and force them to be dependent on white men and turn them into baby breeding machines, then maybe they got a shot of, you know, outbreeding. And again, this is not what I believe, but I think this is what they believe, uh, every other brown person that comes along. And I think that uh, there's a fear of losing who they are. And the only way to get that, if we can just go back to 1940s, the white man will succeed again. Exactly. But that's that return to glory of fascism, you know, because white nationalism is fascism. And yeah, yeah, I think you're completely right. It's this this bullshit nostalgia and uh, this fear. And one of the things is, um, you know, you, you said like, uh, you know, white people are at the same success rates. And actually, that's I think part of the problem is they're not. Not that white people are being harmed more than anybody else, but that the the shoreline is dropping for everyone. You know, look at this country. Debt has only increased. Incomes have not increased at the rate of food, fuel, housing. Everyone has less wealth now than they used to. And again, all you have to do is look back and see what we had. In the 50s, you had a single income house where there was a house, a car, college, a dog, and it was one income on a guy who probably didn't even go to college. Yeah. Now we have educated pairs of people in partnerships barely able to even consider buying a home, but probably renting, have, buying used cars, having dead-end jobs. And I think the white people look around and they want someone to blame. And then here come the right-wingers and say, yeah. it's not your fault. You're being outbred. There's a yeah. there's an attack on the white race, you know. This is this is white genocide, and this is the and but they can't usually say that. They have to say that in private. That's what they say at home. But then they hop on the news and they have to say, well, it's attack on family values. You know, the same thing. It's like when someone says we need law and order. What they're really saying is I don't like black people. When someone comes out there and says it's an attack on family values, what they're saying is it's it makes the white and the straight people nervous and scared. And that's what that really means. And I think, I don't know, I think you nailed it on the head. I think that's, again, this is the core of the issue is we are dealing with this intersectionality of economics, of race, of gender, of, of gender roles. And it's complicated, but the, the enemy of it, the people who are, who are desperately trying to shove this back in the closet per se is not complicated. Uh, there's a handful of people. They're very wealthy. They have names and addresses. It's easy to find them. There is a small group of dedicated individuals who are pushing these movements forward. And I think we need to look at not just them, but the ones who enable them. You know, again, our president, Joe Biden, 
I posted on Twitter, campaigned over two years ago, that one of the first things he would do in office is codify this into law. He'd put bills before the House of Representatives. He fucking sat on his ass for two years. It's not like this came out of nowhere. This was a case that's been pending for a long time. We knew that the Republicans were putting anti-abortion advocates on the Supreme Court. Again, this has been methodical, and we knew it was going to happen. And so this this pretending like suddenly the the liberal party has been caught off guard. No, they they don't want to address it now that it's the midterms. Now it's time to say, well, if you vote for us, we'll put the fire out now. And that's where they're going with it. And you have this 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 effort by the worst actors. And then you have a a conscious enabling by the other side to and, and the people who are always going to be left out are the female and the poor. I think you raised a couple of really great points and I'd like to address a few of them. I mean, I think one is, you know, cause you touched on this idea of whether or not white men are actually suffering because of minorities. I think there is, as our country has shifted, I think there, the opportunities afforded to any of us um, have shifted as well. And I think that does lead to this feeling that because of minorities because of women, because of whatever, you know, affirmative action, um, that they are being screwed. And I mean, the reality is, is they are being screwed, but not by who they think they're being screwed by. And we know, and we've known for a really long time now that it's really, really easy to fuel hate. Um, I mean, one of the greatest social experiments was the propaganda machine after 9-11. Um, and what fear and pointing fingers can do to pass laws, to motivate people to do things, to um, turn people against each other. Um, you know, everyone really liked the whole like, oh, but we all came together and waved flags after 9-11. Yeah, unless you were a brown person. Nobody was waving flags with you. Nobody was kumbayaing with you. That shit did not happen. All the brown people on the planet, right? Well, in the United States around then were, were really, um, really aware that stuff was not okay. People from like India and Pakistan, people from Egypt, people from South America were like, I don't want anyone to think I'm Muslim. And they were freaking out and waving flags because there was an immediate backlash. Yeah, there was. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, white America loves to remember that time nostalgically. Like, remember when we all came together? But that actually wasn't the lived experience of a great deal of Americans. And I mean, it was, again, a great social experiment to find out how far can we push if we use fear as a weapon. And, you know, again, pointing fingers as to why people are hurting is, is it's as old as time, you know, blaming the other guy is super easy. But I do think from an emotional standpoint, like, yeah, I think there's a lot of white men who really believe they're hurting and that it's someone else's fault and they're not wrong. They're just looking in the wrong direction. Um, I think that's real. I think the erosion of the middle class has been really significant um, for a lot of people. I think the other thing is, is I think we can talk about, you know, a lot of the biases, right? And a lot of the selling points and a lot of whatever, but I think you also touched on like, no, there's a handful of, of humans in charge of most of this and it is deliberate. This is not about some return to family values. That is the selling point so they can get the bodies they need, but that's not what this is about. They don't give a shit about family values. They don't give a shit about the Christian coalition. They don't give a shit about like, like none of that. Um, that is not their motivation at all. That is just how they have figured out to make talking points so that other people will buy into it. And I think acknowledging 
the amount of, you know, get propaganda on all sides. You know, I mean, God knows the Democratic Party loves using this issue for fundraising and is so incredibly guilty of allowing it to get this far while saying that they don't want it to get this far solely because it gets their people elected into office. But again, yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of, of, of big people driving this and it's not about any of the issues that people are pointing to. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Again, I mean, that's, I couldn't agree more. Like like you said, right now it takes like, I mean, literally Polly Emery is being, um, you know, touted as a legitimate way to run a household, not from a romantic structure, not from a sexuality structure, not from a relationship structure, but from a bill paying and childcare structure. And so when I say like, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning about needing to bring men into this conversation. No, I'm going to stand really clearly on, I do not think that a bunch of men should be in charge of deciding this. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the fact that it takes two to three incomes minimum to run a household is really valid. If we take out one of those incomes because she's now raising all the kids and can't work and we add three more mouths to feed, um, that changes some shit for a lot of people. Monogamy in this economy? (laughs) Right? I mean, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, I think it's valid. And I think, uh, you know, it's... I think these are the conversations that are important because we need people to talk about what's happening and why that it's not Mitch McConnell's old and doesn't get it. Like, no, it's, that's not what this is at all. There is a concentrated effort from very wealthy and powerful people who want to weaponize ignorance and conservatism against women for their gain. And again, because remember, the point is to not have a middle class. Like, that's the thing is, like, we talk about the middle class, like it's this function and and, and this was that's, that's not the word I'm looking for. Like, like it's this, um, this manifestation of reality. And it's not the middle class is a fluke. It is a hiccup. It is a weird anomaly. It's there's never been a tr- uh, the middle class as we know it in America, because, you know, the middle class is supposed to be wealthy merchants. In classical terms, like people like Jeff Bezos would be the middle class. Um, but in terms of American terms, like the middle class of not poor but not wealthy, that that's not supposed to exist. That only exists because World War II happened. And obviously, as we go decades past that, the middle class has dwindled. And every side agrees. It's Republicans, Democrats, everyone. Everyone has come along and said, oh, the middle class is shrinking. We need to help the middle class. And you can't have a middle class in capitalism. Capitalism is designed to not have a middle class. Capitalism is designed to milk resources to a select few at the top, and everyone else is supposed to be equal in the class of worker. And we're supposed to be fucking serfs. And that's where we're coming to. More housing is now owned in this country um, than ever before by foreign investors and people who are developing property for the sole purpose of being rent. Housing rates have gone up to the point where they're becoming unattainable for your average worker now. The point is to always be renting, is to always be indentured, is to have healthcare tied to your job. Because if you don't work, what's the point of you living? It is and it is a it is the incentive to keep you at a job. That's the goal. We you know, this this erosion of the middle class is not a sad fact that has been happening because of bad politics. No, it's the system working as it's designed. An anomaly was created in the post-war boom, and it is correcting itself. And unless we do something, we're going to slide right back into fucking serfdom. And that's where we're heading. And this is part of it. This is this is a multi-pronged assault. This is a, an attack by air, land, and sea. And part of it is putting women back in their fucking place. It is keeping families poor. It is keeping women uneducated and out of choices. 
and victims to white patriarchy. That, that, that is the goal. And the other problem besides people not recognizing that I see is nobody willing to do what is necessary to change it. Because think about all the people you know who are upset about this. And again, you know, abortion is, is popular by almost 80% of Americans. So most people you know, um, even if you're in the South, Jen, um, are, <laughs> or think this sucks, right? Men, women, most people think this sucks. Um, but what are they going to do about it besides vote harder? Nothing. They nothing. will do absolutely nothing. I, I, I am I am going to plant parenthood tomorrow, and I'm going to go pick a fight. But I am a vast minority. Most people are going to sit at home and say this really sucks, and they're going to vote blue no matter who, and the cycle is going to continue itself. And I'm really, really upset that when this got leaked, people didn't march on the Supreme Court and burn the building down. Because that's what needs to happen. Until they just march up and fucking burn down the Supreme Court's fucking building, nothing's going to change. Well, and here's the the sad part about that. They expected that to happen. They barricaded the Supreme Court the the night that they realized this leaked. The next morning, there were barricades around the Supreme Court because they were expecting people to do it, and no one fucking showed up. I don't know if you read the brief, but he he specifically, Alita specifically said that there's no way the court can predict what the public outcome will be. Yeah, yeah, I did, which is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which is ironically true, but not in the right way. But there's a, I think I want to go back to, because there's a lot of performance from the left that I'm saying here. One of the biggest people coming out right now that I've, I, I haven't heard a peep from Elizabeth Warren in months, like ever since, since the election, she got right behind Joe Biden and just kind of hidden his shadow. And now that all of a sudden that this has happened all well, she, man, she is hitting that campaign trail super hard. She, there's pictures of her and everyone's Twitter about how angry she is. I'm like, where were you a year ago, two years ago? Where have you been? You were supposed to be the big progressive leader. One of the, one of the big progressive leaders of the left. And just like all the progressive leaders, the moment Joe Biden got elected, you were just like, well, we're center right corporate shills just like the rest of them now. That that's that's what we're doing until this issue pops up. And and here's the thing. I, I don't want to detract from this issue because it's important. But I bet you anything, they are so thrilled that this is taking away from forgiving student loan debt. Oh, because Biden's Biden was getting real close to having to forgive fucking something. Getting real close, but now he ain't gonna have to talk about that shit at all. They got a whole new issue they get to campaign on all the way through 2022 now. And don't get me wrong, it's an important fucking issue. But guess what? You can keep all your campaign promises. You don't have to wait for one campaign issue to come up to take away from the other one. And it just it just pisses me off because I'm seeing more and more how people that we tout as um, leaders and progressives and people that should be leading the party like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Ilian Omar. I see nothing from them. The the best I get is, again, calls to stack the court. And every time I ask this question, I can't get a fucking answer. Okay, we stack the court. What happens in two years when Republicans get the power and stack it even more? Yep. No, no one can answer that yeah. fucking question. It becomes a runaway train. And that's the thing that, that that gets me. And I know I'm going on a tangent here, but 
once again, Democrats are like, well, Republicans play shitty, so why don't we play shitty and bunk a bunch of and, and just throw out a bunch of political norms and we'll do some political mumbo jumbo here and do something completely out of the ordinary that no one would really do. And this will be fine for us. We're going to be okay because everyone's going to love us for it and they'll never elect a Republican again. And I'm just like, no, this is Republican tactics. And they do it better than you every time. The Dems might get do something like that and get two years control, I guess. But even then, like, I, I don't think they're going to be successful because Dems don't really want to change anything. Again, remember, our president is nothing will fundamentally change. Even if they stack the courts, they're not going to do anything significant. Republicans are going to come in and take it, and they're going to make things infinitely worse once they have control of the courts again. What you're talking about is actually a political theory that exists. It's called ratchet theory. Um, and, and what it is is, and again, I, you know, this is audio, but a picture in your mind, a gear, right? Turning to the right. Mm. And then you have a ratchet on top. And so it cranks to the right. And then when it goes to the left, it stops, right? You know, the, it's a blockade. And that is what we, that's what ratchet theory states is that basically when the right is in power, it cranks to the right without resistance. And then once the Democrats get in power or the liberal party gets in power, it never cranks back to the left. They simply become a ratchet that stops it mm -hmm. and it halts the right progress. Mm -hmm. And then the election cycle happens again. And then the gear cranks to the right because the ratchet is no longer in control. And then the ratchet comes back into control in two, four years. But again, it's a ratchet. It cannot crank the other way. All it can do is halt it. And that is American politics in a nutshell. That's liberal politics. That is how liberal yeah. politics work. You do not, you very rarely ever get movements that shift a government or a culture left that are not revolutionary. You yeah. just don't. That's not how it works. Things get more and more right until there's a breaking point. Yeah. And I mean, this should be a breaking point. Every single woman in the world should be lighting a fucking Molotov cocktail right now and marching on D.C., but we're not there yet because people are still getting fed and they're still scared. Um, and so until people start going really hungry, we're not going to have that. And it's a shame because this would be a great watershed moment. This would be a moment where not a lot of people would need to die. You could have a million women march down and start burning down government buildings in D.C. And uh, I think a lot of change could happen uh, and it wouldn't have to involve bombs or anything like that. But we're not going to have it. Everyone's going to play nice and we're going to make it political. And we're going to vote for our favorite parties. And we're just going to sit and hope that these elected fucking millionaires backed by billionaires are somehow going to have our interests in mind and aren't going to ratchet our society back to the right. I got to tell you, I disagree wholeheartedly with what you just said. I think that they're not rioting because they're fucking tired because they did the huge march when Trump was elected nationwide and nothing fucking happened other than they all got stupid, ugly pink hats. Because they marched for nothing else. Because that is the problem, is the women's march was a white liberal march. Million millions of women showed up for millions that and nothing of women else. Showed up and nothing happened. And then we What'd had the where nationwide we had people showing up. And I'm like I know all of the things that everyone likes to talk about with that movement, and I get it. But I'm gonna go with like, no, nationwide we had people like in the streets losing their shit and saying this is not okay. And literally nothing happened. My Netflix account now occasionally has people of color directors or whatever they call that fucking channel. Um, nothing changed. Like literally nothing changed. Um, and so I yes, think. Yes, because that wasn't revolutionary. 
That was, well, was liberals say, hanging no. out in the street and having a pussy hat party. That doesn't scare politicians. I hear you. But what I'm saying is, is you're talking about people going out into the street and rioting and burning shit down. And I think there's, I don't think we're yet at burning shit down, but we've long passed peaceful protest or large mass gatherings, whatever we want to call that, because they're not always peaceful, but they're different than burning down the building. And I think people are tired and I think they're trying to come up with a new strategy. And I don't think we have one yet. And it might come down to guillotines, but I just think we're not there yet. <laughs> but again, this was this was predicted. We sat here on this show and talked about it when 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 Biden won the election. Like, oh, Trump's gone. Everyone's going to go home. Everyone's yep. going to get out of the fucking streets and they're going to go and sit on their couch and they're going to welcome in whatever. And here we are where, again, Biden has been worse than Trump in every single policy way. Everything okay. Trump did wrong, Biden has done worse. And the few things he did right, Biden has reversed. He is literally a worse president. And now he has stripped body, he has allowed the, the stripping of body autonomy from the judiciary to more than half the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. How long do we play nice? And again, I am not attacking you on this one. I'm not saying you no, need to have those answers, but we as a society need to understand, okay, when, when does civility go away? Because right now it is when 13 year old girls can get gang raped on a bus and be forced to carry a pregnancy to term. That is, that is what we are now deeming is acceptable that our, our windows not getting broken and our Supreme court, people not getting scared about being hung in the street. That is worth doing that to half the country. And it's like, okay, but that, that, and that's where we go is, okay, well then the next egregious act of our government to strip fundamental humanity from us happens. Okay. Is this a breaking point or do we allow this to keep our civility? And that's a question we all have to ask ourselves that there is no right or wrong answer. I mean, I have an answer that I think is right. And everyone has an answer that they think is right. And it's, it's different. It's a spectrum. Not everyone has to agree with me on where that breaking point is, but we as a people, need to decide where that breaking point is. And if you don't want to get caught up in the whirlpool of awfulness, you have to decide that in advance. You have to choose that line in the sand before you get to the line. Because if you don't, you just move the goalposts forever. If you decide, okay, if this thing happens, we burn this mother down. We stop paying taxes we, we default on being governable, you know, like it, you have to decide that, okay, this, if this act, whatever that is, if this act happens and the government does blank, we as a people will not tolerate being governed by that government anymore. But if you don't do that ahead of time, you end up with this where it's like, oh, you know, here you go. Six fucking white people and one Uncle Tom decided that, you know, women aren't people anymore. Shucks. Guess I'll donate to Warden harder. Like it means it's, and that's where you get is that's where we are. Is we're left with no options because we didn't decide in advance that this would be a final straw. I mean, I hear you, and I'm going to go with for a lot of women I know for decades now it has been a final straw, and I personally am wondering if everyone's waiting to see what the final verdict is um, because this is not yet a final verdict, and I I do wonder if the outcry will be different once there is a final. Sorry, when our internet just crapped out right there. Continue, Jen. And also, I was lamenting like, that uh, what's no, the point of having a polite tired, society if it's I mean, not going to serve us and what are we still I don't know. doing here? I talked to people. a lot of people who are and, really uh, you were telling tired. me not to be such a, They're really tired. And- just dark bitch about it. <laughs> um, no, actually, what I'm saying is I think you should be a darker bitch about it. Um, I think um, 
the issue is, is that no, I mean, again, careful, I'm armed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm far, far away. It's all good. <laughs> no, I think like, I think it's worse than we think it is when we look at voter apathy, when we look at people's apathy. I think when I say people are tired, I mean, like, they're fucking worn tired. There are so many issues. Every single one of them is so incredibly legit. Depression's at an all-time high. Anxiety's at an all-time high. People can't put their damn pants on right now. And you're telling them they need to go burn down the, the Supreme Court building. And I'm going to go with, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think the problem is, is like, no, the overwhelm is so intense that it is, I think it's going to literally continue this way with everyone. I don't think they're playing nice. I think they're, they're just tired. Like They're just fucking tired. <laughs> and I think at some point in time, yes, they will get hungry enough. They will get irritated enough. They will get angry enough. They will get overworked enough. They will have lost enough of their own children and parents enough, whatever that looks like. And of course there will be a threshold and every, I mean, I've been saying for years now, someday everyone's just going to stop. They're just going to be like, you know what? It's no longer worth it for me to get up and put on pants. I'm not going to work. I'm not paying taxes. I'm not doing anything. You guys have made all of it so unfun that none of it is worth me showing up for. And I think we're not there yet. Um, I don't think what you're seeing is a lack of outrage. I think what you're seeing is, no, literally the world is on fire. Which thing do we get outraged about this week? And I think there is like a beatdown that's happened, right? I mean, again, I think there's a lot of perception that says, and it doesn't matter anyway. Would you call it apathy or depression? Or I, I, I would call it dark timeline fatigue. I mean, I think all of it. I think it's apathy. I think it's depression. I think it's despair. I think it's dark timeline fatigue. I think it's, um, I think it's all of it. You know, you have a point because there's also, I mean, this ties into it too, but uh, I I just read a poll recently that like the the people that that believe that their vote doesn't matter, those numbers are on the rise. Uh, People that believe that the system is broken, those are on the rise. I think I do agree that all these feelings are there and compounding, but I think to Chris's, I think this was Chris's point. One of the points he was making is that who knows uh, enough people aren't hurt or suffering yet. I think to motivate, I think you have to have more suffering like your suffering has to be worse than your apathy and depression, right? Like there, has, there there's scales, right? And you have to be suffering so much that you've got, I think you have to get to the point of, I've got nothing left to lose, so let's burn it down. And not enough people have gotten to the point of, I have nothing left to lose. Because we still, even though we have about half the states that are going to make it some sort, some version of like, you know, murder to have an abortion. The other states are like California, where you can still come here and have an abortion. And, you know, there's, you know, we've got a governor right now that's trying to, you know, pass a law, I believe, that 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 allows women from other states to come in and get it without any kind of, you know, legal repercussions. And so things like that. So there's still avenues of hope for these women that do that. And of course, rich people, doesn't matter what color they are, aren't going to worry about it because they've always been able to skirt the law. Like these kinds of laws, remember folks, like these kinds of laws don't affect people when they're wealthy. Wealthy people aren't worried about this. That's why every every Republican senator is for this because when they get their underage women pregnant, they'll just take them over to California to have the abortion. No problem. No, they, they just hire a, 
Or hire a private doctor, yeah. Yeah, a private yeah, doctor to yeah. do it in a private but, hospital, and, and nobody's the wiser because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. But but Matt's but, point stands that the wealthy agreed. don't have to worry about the consequences or the logistics. Is the, is whether it's Absolutely. driving to California or hiring a family doctor, you know, the wealthy don't have to worry about it, and they never have. You know, Again, the wealthy had safe, clean, easy-to-access abortions before Roe v. Wade. Wealthy people, yeah. anybody who was wealthy in and around Flint wasn't drinking the Flint, Michigan water. Like, like these kinds of things don't affect them. Wealthy people and I, don't live in Flint, Michigan. <sighs> and that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but but the, the thing I'm getting at is, you know, we like to joke about, make jokes about uh, Handmaiden's Tale. You know, we all talk about how the Handmaiden's Tale is real. And while I do believe that is the path we are currently on, we aren't quite there yet. We haven't started enslaving women and making them uh, into complete birthers. We're trying to. We're absolutely oh, trying to go down that yeah. road. But like, it's definitely gonna, the end goal. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take that we need, like, it's going to take people literally being enslaved en masse before their lives are to the point where they're willing to fight this. And as long as there's avenues, I think, where people can still maintain, especially middle class. I think even middle class people are going to be okay with this. Even the ones that aren't like most of the middle-class people in, in these Southern states that are mostly effective affected. They were already finding ways to get abortions without it being public knowledge. They're still going to do that. They're going to be less safe, but they're still going to do it. They were already letting, you know, the, 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 the uncle who raped his nieces, you know, and has, and the niece is now having his baby. Like they're, they're already forcing the niece to have the kid and raise it and just not talking about the uncle who still gets to come over to the Sunday barbecue. Like these things are already going on now. There's not going to be a big upheaval that much. The people that are going to feel it the most, I think are poor uh, left-leaning people of color, you know? So as long as middle-class white people aren't affected, as long as poor white people aren't really that affected, I don't think there's going to be a big enough push for change. And I think until they, those groups start feeling it to where they've got nothing left to lose. Uh, I, I, that's, I think what's going to be a big effect, uh, uh, factor in whether or not people start burning buildings down. Uh, I think Wouldn't that's why nice if humans had empathy, I think that, that'd be thing. fucking great. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yes, it would be great. It would totally be amazing. I would love that. And I mean, Matt, I think you're spot on on a lot of it. I mean, the only thing I would I would chime in is a I mean, some of those issues you brought up about the uncle do not exist only in the South. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> unfortunately, true. you know, no, but we're California elites and we like shitting on the South. <laughs> I know. And I'm going to say, like, as someone who lives in the South, like fun story. So even though abortion has been legal here in my sweet little liberal town in my tries to play Switzerland state of North Carolina. Um, it's actually been almost impossible to get an abortion here because a while ago and a while ago being about a decade or so ago, a, yeah, they shut the clinics down, didn't they? Well, no, a bunch of women figured out in all of their wisdom and brilliance that their OBs were performing abortions and then going to the hospital and catching their babies. And they didn't want those hands going back and forth, because if you're going to catch a baby, you should not have just, you know, ended a life. And so therefore they basically told all of the private practice docs in town that they would not go see them anymore if they continue to perform abortions. 
they effectively stopped abortion from being offered in this town. Now, of course, it is still offered, right? Like, of course, if you know which doctors to go to and all the rest of it, like, of course, it still happens. But if you're a scared 16-year-old girl who doesn't know who which questions to ask or who doesn't have great medical insurance or can't pay privately, yeah, your choices are shit. Which, again, goes back to, Matt, a lot of what you were saying is like, no, I think poor people are already bearing the brunt of this because while it is really fun to sometimes crap on the wonderful decisions of my town um, and my state um, that I currently reside in. I'm going to go with like, that's not a new thing. It's actually been around for a long time. Um, Unless, I mean, it's one of the things that I think is why Planned Parenthoods and other clinics are so important is because if nothing else, there's a place in the yellow pages to go look, right? I mean, now yeah, they're kind of the last light in the storm. Yeah, I mean, and again, they're not the only light in the storm, but I, you know, it's it's. I actually, as a forty-five-year-old woman who knows how to research and use Google and my health insurance and the Medicaid State Department and the health department, like I know how to like access those resources. You know, I didn't know that when I was sixteen. Um, most sixteen-year-olds don't know how to harness all of those resources, and I stand in a place of privilege even now that. I have the option of those resources that like I have that information. I think what's sad, Matt, is is to your point is I don't know if I actually think that a lot of poor white people are. I think there's there's a level of beat down that is so great that I don't necessarily see it turning into burning buildings. I think um, like a lot of other major social movements that I agree with you, Chris, often took violence. Um it took some people from other sides of the fence. I mean, in, in a very real way to help lead those moments. Um, yeah. Again, it's a combination. I don't know. I mean, historically you don't see change until the people who have power are afraid. Agreed. You know, I mean, it was Asada Shakur, you know, said that no one in his, no oppressor and no one in history has ever given up oppression by being asked nicely. <laughs> Such a shame though. We try so hard. <laughs> It's what we can learn from the civil rights movement is, is that's the way you do it is first you have to ask nicely and obtain the moral high ground. And then when it doesn't, you have to make people very scared. And once you can scare enough people in power, you might be able to cause some change. But how much is depending on the situation. It depends on these, the, the fortitude of the people in power. It depends on the fortitude of the people pushing back against them. It's a struggle. Like you said, it's class struggle. And class struggle is the oldest war that has ever existed. And it's ever-changing. And this is what our current class struggle looks like. I stand by that I'm worried that we keep not drawing lines in the sand. And oh, we'll okay. continue to slip down the rabbit hole until we do. Also agree. Theodore Roosevelt said... You know, speak softly, but carry a big stick. And we've spoken softly, we've spoken loudly, and everyone just keeps forgetting about the big stick part. Yeah. <laughs> I love that point, Matt. Yeah. Someone who I despise, Bill Maher, uh, he sucks. Um, but he actually said something that was pretty profound where he said, um, you know, rich people are like a pinata. You know, they're pretty and they hang out and they're filled with candy, but you don't get any of it until you hit them with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's a liberal, liberal douche, but he has he has good nuggets here and there. Like he's yeah. on the right side of. He's not a broken clock. He's just a slow clock. <laughs> he's just a racist clock. But anyway, we can shit on Bill Maher later. We already did an entire episode of White Fauci is awful. Uh, we can bring him for round two of people we hate. Um, 
<laughs> but people we love is you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, before you go, um, tell us all about what you're doing and how listeners can get a hold of you and give you all their money and get all of your amazing uh, life coaching and baby catching skills. Where can they go to, to, to get services by you? Okay, so they can't give me all of their money because otherwise I'm going to get guillotined like all the other people. So I, I'm going to say I only want some of their money because I really like my head. <laughs> Transformationcoaching.life is my website that lists off a lot of cool things. I also work with some really great organizations like the treehousefellowship.org, um, which provides mental health services to people at a ridiculously affordable cost. And yeah, I mean, I, I primarily work as a life coach and teach wellness classes. Um, we talk about shame. We talk about boundaries, talk about recovering from abusive relationships, talk about, um, I mean, God, trauma, so much trauma. We talk about trauma a lot in my line of work. Um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, like weight, like what, what tools do we have accessible that are again easy to get because i feel like there's a lot of things out there that try to sell um why you need a $6000 ass cleaner or whatever um and it will somehow bring you closer to enlightenment and i'm a big fan of like yeah what can i do that's actually going to make me feel better that doesn't require you know, a trip somewhere that doesn't require reservation, that doesn't require special clothes, that doesn't require special props, that doesn't require special classes, that, you know, like, what is it actually accessible? And I found that um, time and again, both in terms of research and accessibility, mindfulness wins hands down. Um, so I do a lot of uh, teaching mindfulness. Uh, and what was that website again? Transformationcoaching.life. Oh, I'm sorry. I was walking my dishes. What was that again? <laughs> transformationcoaching.life. All right. L-I-F-E. <laughs> I know you. about you, but I'm logging on to transformationcoaching.life right now. And there are no goop jade eggs, 100% guaranteed. There are no goop jade eggs. No, no shoving weird eggs and rocks on your vaginas. That's I mean, that's unless you're into doing. that, you know, that's fine. But that's <laughs> yeah, not going to... That's, that's, that's a different gonna... website. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. As somebody who has worked in pelvic floor health and sexual health and birth and postpartum and also just fun, sexy time, I'm going to say that there is a lot of really, really, really great reasons why people who have vaginas... Um, might want to genuinely look into the benefits of um, pelvic floor exercises, including the use of heavy egg-shaped objects that can help them build the pelvic floor. I do not this think... This is why the Easter Bunny smiles. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't think they need to be jade, made of jade or rose quartz. I think the stainless steel ones are awesome. I think... <laughs> Really, anything that you take care of and clean well, really, please clean your stuff well, um, is really great. Um, I think hygiene matters a lot here. <laughs> but no, I, I don't actually sell any of them. I just won't talk to them either. <laughs> Remember, folks, when there's a disclaimer, it's because someone did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, we needed an, an outlook that wasn't quite ours uh, for this topic. <laughs> thank you for having me. And uh, 
we'll probably have her on again sometime. But until then, go to Transformation Coaching and go give her all your money. Uh, it's important. And the rest of you will see you here next week. Uh, we love you to pieces. Uh, don't let the Supreme Court get you down. Um, don't listen to the hype. Women are humans. Um, they deserve a couple of rights. So the Supreme Court doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. And neither does any politician. Uh, we are in this together. And you guys need to stick together. Solidarity is key. Mutual aid is key. This is the time to start reaching out and helping your homeless brothers and sisters. Your LGBTQ youth who are on the streets. Your elderly who are shoved into abusive care. And just check in with your friends and family who you haven't heard from in a few days. And maybe they're just feeling like shit and they can really use some love. Um, because the point is mutual aid is important. Especially when our leaders have let us down. We as a people need to help each other out. So until then, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and the revolution is always you.